It's a rough, uh, stormy morning, and we certainly pray for safety for everybody. A lot of uh, water on the road, so as you leave here, be careful going home. Watch those spots of water, and uh, be careful the rest of the day. Well, take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and I shared last Sunday that as we go into the month of December, we're going to pause our study in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some Christmas-themed uh, messages as we celebrate uh, the birth of Christ, and we look forward to that at the end of December. And we're going to be looking this morning about the three wise men, and I've titled the message, What Will You Give Jesus? What will you give Jesus? Some people say, and, and we think about the story of, of Christmas and how many of us as children, and I think our children, Brittany, are getting ready for a Christmas play this, uh, going to be the last Sunday before Christmas, and uh, how many of us can remember if you were in Christmas plays as a child, uh, or maybe your children were in Christmas plays when they were smaller, maybe playing the wise men, playing the shepherds. You know, not everybody got to be Mary and Joseph, you know. Some folks had to be the shepherds and, and the wise men. And the story of the wise men, of course, is some people say, well, we get the idea of giving gifts because these three wise men brought three gifts to the baby Jesus. And we know they were gold, they were frankincense, and they were myrrh. And if you believe in the inspiration of Scripture, you have to ask yourself, and we should always remember that if we do believe in the inspiration of Scripture, nothing is in the Scripture by accident. Everything is there for a purpose. And the fact that the Holy Spirit chose to tell us about these three wise men and the fact that they brought three gifts and the Holy Spirit chose to name those three gifts, then that must tell us that those three gifts must bear some significance. And that's what we want to look at this morning when we talk about what they brought, the baby Jesus, and then we bring that forward to you and I 2,000 years later and we talk about what we can give the Lord Jesus. So I want us to take... And begin in Matthew chapter 2, and let's read that story of the three wise men again. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country. Now when we talk about the wise men, first of all, there's a lot that we don't know about the wise men. I may have made the statement a moment ago, the three wise men. Well, that would be a good trick question because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us they were three wise men. I love the old hymn, We Three Kings, a boy and our. You know, wonderful old classic hymn. But the reason, I guess, that we assume there were three wise men is because they brought three gifts. And so we assume maybe each one of them had a gift, but we don't know that. We don't know how many they were. We secondly don't know where they came from. It just said three there I go again. It just said, wise men from the east. We don't know if there were three, but the wise men from the east, well, where is east? Well, some Bible scholars like to think, and but this is just conjecture, that maybe they came from Babylon. And there's some reason, to, some evidence of that, and that is, remember, Daniel was carried captive into Babylon, and, and Daniel, remember, he saved the lives of many of what the Bible, the Old Testament calls the Magi, if you will, the wise men of ancient Babylon when the king wanted to punish them. And, and so Daniel, we know, prophesied about a king coming uh, in the book of Daniel, so it could very well be that maybe uh, there was some record of this prophecy and, and perhaps these, these wise men came from Babylon, but we don't know. They came somewhere from the east. We also don't know what it was that they followed. The Bible says a star appeared. But that doesn't necessarily mean, it's not meaning a star in the, in the detailed sense that it was what we think of as a star. It simply means a light. A light in the sky. You know, so we don't know if it was a meteor. We don't know if it was just the glory of God, a, a revelation as God uh, led the people of Israel out of Egypt with a, with a fire uh, by night and, and, and a light, or a fire by day and a light by night or a fire by night and a, light, a cloud by day and a fire by night. I'll get it in a moment. He led them some kind of way. Uh, but we don't know. Maybe it was just simply a light that God caused to be there, but there was some kind of light, and Matthew calls it a star, but a light in the sky that led them to the place where Jesus was. So those are all things we don't know about these wise men, but there are some things we do know. We do know that they had to cross and they had to overcome a lot of barriers to get to Jesus. The first barrier was the distance. Remember I said some people say Babylon. Well, that's 300 miles uh, from Judea. And we're talking there were no planes, no trains, no automobiles. We're talking about uh, traveling 300 miles. Can you imagine traveling without an automobile in this kind of weather? You know, the rain, the cold, the heat. And so they had great difficulty in getting to Jesus, first of all, because of the distance and the difficulty of traveling by foot or perhaps on an animal. And thirdly, there was the danger of where they were going. You know, Herod is, is the perfect villain in the story of the birth of Jesus. We know a little bit about Herod from history. Certainly the picture we have of him in Scripture is of a selfish, wicked, terrible king who would kill little babies. Well, we know from history that history tells us that uh, he murdered his wife, he murdered his mother, he murdered some of his sons that when he knew that he was dying, he had left instructions 
to his servants that upon his death, that many of the prominent citizens of Jerusalem were to be rounded up and executed upon his death so that there would be genuine weeping in the city because he was afraid that he was not greatly beloved by the people. And then when he died, he didn't want parties to break out. Everybody go to screaming and say, boy, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Herod's finally dead. You remember the Wizard of Oz? The wicked witch is dead. Remember the little things running around? The wicked witch is dead. And that's what Herod saw. He saw that when he died, everybody was going to be celebrating. And he says, I'm not going to have that. When I die, I want people weeping. And history tells us, I think it was Josephus perhaps that wrote, that he had many of the prominent citizens of Jerusalem rounded up and executed so that there would be weeping when he died. So he was not a a good man. He had no qualms about killing people. And yet these wise men would have to face and enter his kingdom and of all things to, to worship a future king, which certainly would put them in danger. But yet they overcame all of this to worship and to come before Jesus. So, now let's get to the gifts. First of all, the first gift the Bible says that they brought was gold. Well, what does gold represent? Well, you certainly don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a Bible scholar of any kind to maybe get a pretty good guess that gold has always represented in some form or another royalty. And let me just give you a couple of scriptures to back that up. They were coming to Jesus as a king. In other words, they were going to give homage to Jesus' sovereign dominion. The fact that He was a sovereign king, that He ruled and He reigned. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7, the prophet says that of the increase of His government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. Remember I mentioned Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 verse 25 Daniel says that the Messiah, the Prince, will come. Speaking that the Messiah will be a king. Ephesians chapter 1 uh, verse 20. The Apostle Paul talking about Jesus. He says that what with which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, there Paul says, God has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. So there we have a picture of Jesus' dominion. That the Bible teaches us that Jesus has a name that is above every name. That God has given Him authority over all. And then you go all the way to the book of Revelation. And you see the picture of the beast. We know the beast is going to be a great ruler who comes. And he's going to rule this world. He's going to be the most wicked ruler that has ever ruled. And he's going to have allies. He's going to have those who will help him. And in Revelation 17, verse 12, it talks about some of those allies. It says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, 
but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. They are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast, and they will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. So there we have a picture in Revelation of a great king and his allies, the beast, who will make war against Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. And the Bible says that the Lamb of God will overcome them because He, that is Jesus, is King of kings and Lord of lords. And Revelation 19, verse 11, we've got a wonderful picture of Jesus. And, and this is an amazing comparison. If you think about this time of year, we think about Jesus in the manger. And what a just a, a beautiful sight that is. And, and we have the manger scenes and the nativity scenes. And, and uh, you know, you've got that little baby Jesus so, so humble and so meek and, and, and seemingly so helpless. And then we fast forward to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And we have a true picture of Jesus. And by the way, when these wise men, I keep wanting to say these three wise men, but the wise men, when they came to Jesus, we don't have any record of them cooing at Jesus, cuddling Jesus. What did they do? They worshipped Him. Yes, He was physically a baby, but He was the Prince, the Messiah. He was the King of kings and Lord of lords. So here in Revelation 19, 11, we get a picture of... Uh, John says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And his armies in heaven were clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So these wise men brought Jesus Gold, because Jesus is the ultimate king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So the question is, what will I give Jesus? Well, if they brought Jesus gold because he is a king, then what do we owe a king? We owe a king, first of all, our will. You know, in the ancient days, we don't have kings anymore, but in the ancient days, a king's word was law. The law was the king. The king was the law. Whatever the king said is, is what went. That's why it was so important that the king was a good man. If he was not a good man, well, you got trouble. There's no, there's no supreme court to appeal to. There's no other power to appeal to. If the king is wicked, then boy, what trouble the nation is in. And so, if you're under a king, you owe the king your obedience, your will. You owe Him all that you have. So the first thing that we can bring Jesus is our will. We bring Him our will. By the same token, we owe Him not only our will, but our wealth. We owe Him everything we possess. When I talk about wealth, we perhaps immediately think about 
finances and money. Well, that's certainly part of wealth, but that's not really your wealth. All of you in here, if you had a terminal illness and you knew there was, there was a, a, a healing for you, a remedy for you, but it would cost everything you own. Most of us would say, well, you know, I, I could probably make it back. You know, I could make more money. You know, I, I, I think I'll spend that and live. I'll spend it and live. Well, my friend, Jesus, we owe Him our will and our wealth. Our true wealth is who we are. Our person, our time, our energy, our love, our will, our affections. All of that is what our true wealth is. So what are we going to give Jesus? First of all, I would say give Him yourself. Give Him your will. Give Him your wealth because He is a king. And He, that is a rightful gift, if you will, for a king. Well, notice the second gift that they brought Jesus. The second gift was frankincense. Well, frankincense. You think, what in the world could that represent? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. Remember, everything in the New Testament has its root and its basis in the Old Testament. Don't ever get the idea that the Old Testament is just a waste of time. You know, certainly the New Testament is the New Covenant. That's really what Testament means. The New Covenant in the blood of Jesus. It shows us how to live the Christian life. But let me just tell you, you and I will never fully understand some of the truths in the New Testament if we don't get a grasp of the Old Testament. And so if you want to understand frankincense, let's go back to the Old Testament. And there's a passage, believe it or not, in Exodus chapter 30 where frankincense is mentioned. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 34, the Lord is telling Moses uh, how to prepare the temple and some of the things to do in the worship of the Lord in the temple. And He says this, He says, Take sweet spices, stace and oncha and, and galbium and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you. It will be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. So frankincense was a part of a holy incense that was to be used only, only in the worship of God in the temple. And so we see these wise men, they bring gold to Jesus because He is a sovereign King. He's a King of kings. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They bring frankincense to Him. Why? Because frankincense is used in the worship of God. And Jesus not only is king, but Jesus is Lord. He is God. He is a sinless deity. So that frankincense represents to us the fact that not only is Jesus a king, but Jesus is God. Now what does it say in verse 11 that they did when they got to Jesus? These wise men. I mentioned it a moment ago. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't say, look at him. You know how we talk baby talk? Somebody tell me why we do that. I, it's okay. I can stand it when we do baby talk. I like to talk baby talk. I don't know what the psychological reasoning for that is. Look at him. Man, so sweet. You know, we have to talk in a different way. But you know, it really gets to me. Somebody posted on Facebook, and I do read some of your Facebook posts. It wasn't y'all. 
It was somebody else. But it was so funny to me. They took a picture of a big old bulldog sitting on the, it was their bulldog sitting on their front porch. And uh, bless her heart, the lady said, she wrote down underneath it, him so glad to see him mommy home. <laughs> you can talk baby talk to a baby, but you know, my goodness, it, it kind of gets to me when you start talking baby talk to a dog, you know. Now what's really scary if you start talking baby talk to your husband. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll just let that alone. We'll, I better get back on track here before we get out of as the old folks would say, before we get out of the harness here, we better get back in the harness and, and get back on the right story. But what did they do when they got there? They didn't talk baby talk to Jesus. The Bible says in verse 11, And they worshipped. When they came into the house, they saw the young child, and they fell down and worshipped. Who in the world has ever heard of worshipping a baby? But that's exactly what these wise men did. And they brought that frankincense with them because that frankincense represents the worship of God. And so as they came to Jesus, not only did they bring gold because He's the King of kings, but they brought frankincense because He is God. Now here's just a couple. I know our, our good friends, Jehovah Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus is God. And there's some others who don't believe that Jesus is God. But I just want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture to show you and present to you evidence that Jesus is not just a high-class angel. Jesus is not a created being. He's not just the best thing God ever made. Jesus is God. He is eternal with God. Here's just a couple of passages over in... Well, first of all, let me just say that if Jesus is not God, then these wise men are guilty of idolatry. Because the Bible says, Worship the Lord God and Him only shall you worship. How many times do we have a picture of an angel appearing to someone in Scripture? And that person, of course, here's this angelic being shining forth. And the, uh, that person would do what all of us would do. And, you know, faced with something like that, they normally you know, fall down and, and they're just on their feet, on their face. And how often do we see that angel in Scripture say, you know, Stand up, stand up, don't, don't worship me. I'm just a servant of the Most High God like you. You know, I'm not one to be worshipped. But here, these wise men are worshipping Jesus. There's no reprimand given to them. There's no reason said why they should not do that. So if Jesus is God, He should be worshipped. If He's not God, these wise men made a grave error. So there's exhibit number one, that Jesus is God according to the Scripture. 1 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16, another exhibit. There Paul says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Who's he talking about? God was manifested in the flesh. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into Glory, And then Isaiah 9, 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah says that Jesus is God. Paul said that Jesus was and is God. Well, what does the Apostle John say in John chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's as plain as it gets. The Word is talking about Jesus. The Word, and by the way, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but there it is right there. Because Trinity simply means, and it's a hard 
thing to comprehend, but it simply means what 1 John 1, 1 says, that the Word was with God, meaning the Word was separate from God, but the Word was God. Not only was the Word with God, separate from God, but the Word was God, one with God, to be all one. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or simply did not overcome it. And then Again, John chapter 8, verse 57, Jesus speaking. What did Jesus say about himself? The Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And if you've got your scripture and you look that up in your Bible, you'll notice that I am is in all capital. All capital letters. And Jesus is simply saying, He's using that description that God used of Himself to Moses in the Old Testament when Moses said, Who shall I say, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord said, You say that I am, that I am has sent you. And Jesus talking to the Jews in John 8, 57, He says, Before Abraham was, I am. I existed before Abraham. Because why? Because Jesus is God. You know, I, I love John Wayne movies. Anybody like John Wayne movies? If you don't, we're going to pray for you. Something wrong with you. Okay. Anyway, but John Wayne, uh, one of his movies, I can't remember which one it is, he says something that, that, that bothered me a little bit, you know. Occasionally he'll say something that bothers me a little bit. But anyway, uh, in, in one of his movies, I can't remember which one it is, but uh, he says, never apologize. It's a sign of weakness. You remember that movie? Anyway, you'll go look it up on the internet. You'll find it. I think it's one of the old westerns, but, but he keeps telling a young man that he's trying to mentor. He says, never apologize, son. It's a sign of weakness. I thought, well, you know, that's not good advice because we all need to apologize. But you know what? That is so true. Apologies are a sign of weakness. Well, all of us, because an apology means I, I, I messed up. In my weakness... I, I messed up. I did the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. So I apologize. I, I, I make an apology. Yes, he's right. John Wayne is right. Apology is a sign of weakness. That's why Jesus never apologized. You will never find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus apologized. Now, all of us, unlike what John Wayne said, I'll, I'll, I'll differ with my uh, you know, movie screen hero, John Wayne. All of us should apologize because we're all weak. And we're all prone to failure. And we're all prone to making mistakes. So we must apologize when we make a mistake. It is a sign of weakness. It's a, it's a recognition that I'm weak. Sometimes I do things, I say things, I, I think things that I should not do or think or say. So I apologize. But because Jesus is God, He has no weakness. And you think about Jesus, He never apologized. Never did Jesus have to get together and seek out advice. And what he ought to do. Because Jesus is God. He does not need to apologize. He does not need to seek advice. He, and, and think about this for a moment. Jesus has no strong points. You know why? Hey, you, you know, you love those questions. You know, maybe you're interviewing for a job or something. They say, what are your strengths? I'll never forget when I worked at Walmart, we always, this was a question. We had to ask people we were going to hire or that we were doing an interview. I don't remember who it was, but I almost busted out laughing. 
I, I had to give this guy credit. I would always say, what, 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 describe, what do you think your strengths are? Well, you know, people would say different things. Well, you know, I'm a hard worker. Well, I, I come to work on time, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd always say, well, what do you think your weaknesses are? Well, people say, well, you know, sometimes maybe i got a little bit of a temper. And, well, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know. I remember asking this guy one time. I asked him his strengths. He told me. I said, what about your weaknesses? I can't think of any. can't think of any. That was so funny to me. You know, I had to admire his confidence. He couldn't think of it. He didn't have any. He's he applying for a job. He wasn't interested in his weaknesses. Well, he was misinformed because he had some weaknesses. He just didn't know it. But you see, Jesus had no strong points because he had no weak points. Only way you can have strong points is if you have weak points. Well, Jesus was strong in every way. Every part of Jesus was equally strong. He didn't have any strong points. He didn't have any weak points. Why? Because Jesus was and is God. So if we owe Jesus our will... Because He's our King, we bring Him our will. That's the first gift you can give Him is your will. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do. Well, if He is God, we bring Him our worship. We bring Him our worship. And you know, we could. I preached a sermon a couple well, last week, I think it was, on worship and thanksgiving before God. You know, bring Him your worship. We worship Him in song. We worship Him in prayer. We worship Him with our mind. We worship Him with our hands. There's so many ways we can worship God. And so Jesus, you want to bring Jesus a gift? Bring Him your will because He's your King. Bring Him your worship because He's your God. And lastly, the last one they brought was myrrh. Gold, frankincense, frankincense and myrrh. Well, what does myrrh represent? Well, maybe we get an idea in John chapter 19. There we find after this, Jesus, of course, has been crucified. It says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloy, about a hundred pounds. And they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. So myrrh was used in the embalming, embalming of the dead. When they buried someone, they would put that myrrh on their body. It was also used to kill pain. Over in Mark chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says they brought him, that is Jesus, to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. And they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. So you got gold that represents his sovereign kingship. You've got frankincense that represents his deity, the fact that he is God. And they brought him myrrh to remember that he was going to die a sacrificial death. Myrrh represents suffering. It represents death. And so Jesus was going to die. He was born to die. You know, it's interesting that nowhere in the Bible are we told to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. You know, that there are certain groups that don't celebrate Christmas, and I never get in an argument. That, that's not worth arguing over. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, that's fine. There's no biblical mandate to celebrate Christmas. You know what? There is a biblical mandate to celebrate and remember what does our, well, our table's not there. I've lost my thing. But somewhere, there, we've got a communion table. What does it say? This do in remembrance of me. You know, when Jesus was 
taking the cup and the bread at the Last Supper. He said, as long as you eat this cup and drink this bread, you remember my death until I come. So we are told to celebrate, to remember His death. It's the death of Jesus. I hadn't researched this, and I, I, I shouldn't just blurt out things I haven't really researched, although I, I am prone to do that occasionally. But I understand there was a big controversy, not a big controversy, but some controversy about the White House. You know, the, the Christmas decorations, I think, uh, the, the, the Melania had, 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 had red Christmas trees. and uh, I did read an article, and I'm not exactly sure this is right, so I shouldn't say it. But I, I think I read somewhere that in Eastern Europe that they have a tradition of, of red Christmas trees to, make, to remember the death. You know, the fact that Jesus was born, and, and, and red represents blood, and, and the fact that, that he was born to die. I don't know. Again, I should have researched that. I just thought that was interesting to throw out there because... When we celebrate Christmas, remember that Jesus came to die. What did John say? For this reason, I came into the world to save lost sinners. And how does he save sinners? He came he saved sinners by dying, not by his birth. He had to be born to die, but he came not simply to be born, but he came to die. So when the myrrh is brought, we remember his sacrificial death. And, and what are we told to do about his death? To be witnesses. That's what the apostles said that they were. They were witnesses of His death. Witnesses of His death. What do you want to bring to Jesus? What is your Christmas gift to Jesus? Well, first of all, it's your will to obey Him because He's your King. Secondly, it's your worship. Worship Him because He's your God. And thirdly, it is your witness to your neighbors, to your family, to your friends... You witness to them of His saving and His sacrificial death. That He died to save lost sinners. He died to forgive us of our sin. He died to give us hope beyond the grave. He died to give us life and give us life more abundantly. Bring Him your will. Bring Him your worship. And let's give Him our witness. Because He is our King, our God, and our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus, the King who was born, the Word of God made flesh, and the Savior of our souls who died to cleanse us from our sin and to give us Your righteousness. Father, I pray that each of us will commit anew all that we have to You, our will, our worship, and our witness God, that we will serve you both in spirit and in truth. I pray if there's one here today that needs to make a public decision, maybe there's one who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, perhaps they would come today, Father. I pray that you would guide them and lead them, draw all of us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're here this morning. Maybe you want to come pray or you'd like to speak with me or I'd like to pray with you about something. You just obey the Holy Spirit as we stand and sing.